0: Okay, let's go and open prayers. prayer as we get ready to look at the word. Lord, we just thank you for this day. We thank you for this opportunity to come before you and to look at your word and see what you would have us to learn today. Help us to see and learn from the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Today, I'm going to leave the study of the book of Ecclesiastes, uh, not really to do a men's uh, message, but just because it's been on my heart to do this message uh, this week. Uh, the men got a taste of it at the Bible study at the men's breakfast yesterday. So we're going to be going through the Bible. If you take notes, I'd write down the notes because I've got them marked. Because I've got about nine places I'm going to go during this message, so I'm not going to wait for everybody to get there. So write down the write down your where we're going. We're going to start at First John 14 verse six. And that says, and Jesus said to them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. Romans ten seventeen. So then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. But I say, have you not heard? Yes, verily, their sound went into their into all the earth, and their words went into the ends of the world. And then we're going to look at uh, Hebrews 11, 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, and the evidence of things not seen. I was thinking this couple of weeks now and led into this uh, study of the idea. What is it that you live your life by is what I'm gonna be asking today. And Sam, I'm gonna put up our first uh, slide, if it's working. We're not gonna have my slides? Okay. focus there we go (laughs) this is a picture that I was taught way back when I was a teenager learning discipleship on how we should live our lives as Christians and it's says fact faith and feelings I don't like the term fact but it fits in the three F's (laughs) I would rather see truth on the engine (laughs) rather than facts Uh, because you've all have heard me Satan will lie to us by are giving us facts about who we are and we want to give him the truth So I understand why they use fact in the picture and I'm not gonna try to change their picture because that's what I was taught as a teenager. Uh, But I just wanna think about it. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. What do we do when we live our life? Do we live our life by what the Bible says and what the Bible tells us? Or do we live it by feelings? And that's the most of the world makes their decisions based on feelings. I feel like I'm in love with this person, so we're gonna stay married. I feel like I'm not in love with this person, we're not gonna get, you know. Uh, I feel like I was created as a homosexual, so it's gotta be okay because that's how I feel. You know, our world is based on feelings, and we live that way oftentimes ourselves. I just feel like I'm having a miserable time, so therefore God must not be on my side. And we got a lot of churches that actually teach this whole idea of live by your feelings. You come to church, you sing, you dance, you jump up and down, you have a lot of fun, and you might have a message from the Bible, if you're lucky, in some churches. But you leave feeling real good, until you get out there and Satan comes and attacks you. Now am I saying there's something wrong with feelings? Absolutely not, I enjoy feeling good and and having fun time and all of that. But I'm saying don't live your life by feelings. And so we want to say facts, the truth of the Word of God must be what we put our life in. When things seem to be going bad, we need to be able to grab hold of God saying, God is good all the time and God has a good plan for us. All things work together for good for those who are called according to the purpose of God. So when it seems like you're having a really miserable day, hour, month, week, year, decade, whatever it might be, know that God has a good plan. He hasn't forgotten you. He hasn't left you. And this is what is important. We live our life based on the facts of the Word of God, the truth of the Word of God. And this will keep us out of so much trouble. It will keep us out of a lot of depression. It will keep us out of a lot of sadness. And it's just a practical way of living. And the truth of God is that engine. It is what drives our life. If it's not driving our life, you've got a problem. If you're trying to live on feelings, if you've ever tried it, and I've been there, I've done it, you try to live on your feelings, it's up and down and sideways, and there's times when you think you're saved and God loves you, there's times when you think that God can't stand you and has thrown you away, there's times when you think the whole world's out to get you, feelings tend to lie to us, all right? They're not bad, they're not good, they are just feelings. When things are going bad in your life, you're gonna have feelings but don't make your decisions based on feelings because that is what the world does. The world doesn't have a truth-based relationship in their, in their walk and they're all over the place. And it's, it's fun working with people who don't, who have a feelings-based life because one day, how you know, oh, it's a terrible, miserable day. I can't just wait till it ends. Wow, you're gonna waste 13 hours, 14 hours of your day before you go to bed because your feelings tell you it's a miserable day. <laughs> You know, when I go out to the prison they go well, how are you doing I'm gonna have a great day it hasn't started out very really good but God's got a good good day planned for me <laughs> and it's going to be a good day why because God has promised that all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose now that doesn't mean that everything that happens to us is good okay when we see this movie coming next Friday everything that happened to that poor pastor was not good but God you know, as every movie, God ties it all together by the end of the story, but you know, God always ties our life together. And every time we go through something that seems bad, God's got a reason for it. He hasn't forgotten us. And that's what the truth of the word says. So we need to be able to put our life together in truth. Sam, the next slide. A lot of people try to put feelings up front. We talked about that. <laughs> the, the caboose of the, uh, of the train, line of trains, is not a good thing to start uh, trying to drag the train with. Uh, and yet this is literally what the majority of people live by if you're not building your life on the truth of God you're gonna live in your emotions because you really have nothing else to live on and some churches do this you know they're all about you know feeling good God is good so you must feel good all the time Nope, that's not gonna happen you're gonna feel pretty bad sometimes when bad things happen I'm not gonna tell you you gotta you gotta feel good about those bad things but don't let it drive how you react. Go to the truth of God and say, this is what God says about this event. You you go home and your house is burnt down and everything you own is burnt down and your, your, your dog, your cat, and your birds are dead because they were in the house, you're gonna be a little sad. You're gonna have some disappointment, all right? And that's normal, it's human, but remember God has a reason for it. He has a plan for it. He hasn't abandoned you just because all these bad things seem to have happened. So we want to be very careful about these things. How are we going to live our life? By what God says is true or by what we feel to be true? And in our day and age, we're getting this whole thing, and it's not new. It's happened before, going back to our Ecclesiastes. We're being told there is no absolute truth. Yeah. And when I was in college, I used to have fun with that. People go, well, you know there's no absolute truth. I'm going, are you absolutely sure there's no absolute truth? <laughs> you know, and they go, what? I go, you just made an absolute statement that there is no absolute truth, so if there's no absolute truth, your statement is wrong. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but it's not new. This has been going on for years. Because remember, what did Pilate ask Jesus when he said, I am the truth? Pilate looked at him and said, what is truth? This is not a new statement. People that don't live by God's truth, don't accept that there's truth. Because if there's truth, you have to be answerable to some, somebody. That's why people don't like truth in our day. You know, we, we see this. We've talked about this at times when we've done some studies on evolution and creationism. Almost every famous evolutionist has made the statement that goes something like this. I know there's problems with evolution, but I cannot accept the alternative. What is the alternative they're talking about? That there's a God who created it because as soon as you say there's a God who created it, now there's a God who can say, this is what you're supposed to do with your life. And those people who don't want truth, don't want a God who can tell them how they're supposed to live their life. Now God created us, he tells us, the things he tells us to do are what give us great pleasure and joy and and, uh, peace and understanding. So it's wonderful to have our life based on truth and not on feelings. The third slide is going to show us what some churches try to do. There's a lot of churches that try to put faith out there first. Just have faith. Now, I'm not saying there's anything bad with faith or feelings. But if you're trying to live your life only by faith, you're going to have problems. We need faith. We do need faith. But we read the verse in there that says, Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Faith must have something to rest on, okay? If you just hand somebody said, here, I want you to have faith, faith in what? We all have faith in things, and it, faith is based in some kind of facts. And I've shared with you, I won't sit in most um, chairs that are put up by... Party vendors, I can't remember what they are, caterers. Uh, Why? Because those flimsy, lightweight chairs have collapsed under me enough times that I do not have the faith that they work. I have faith that they're not going to work. Okay. Faith has to have its basis in some kind of fact. Now, we don't know for sure. All right? Uh, Other place we talk about faith is if you're doing repelling and you have to put faith in that little skinny rope that it's going to hold your weight. Is it possible that you're using a dry rotted rope that looks good at first until you put your weight on it? It's possible. And then you will find that it won't hold your weight. Okay, we put faith in it, we say we look at this, it looks sturdy, it looks fine, it looks like all the other ropes that ever held my weight. And you put your, you put your faith in it. We have God's word to build our faith on. And when we don't understand whether, how it can be true, then faith comes into, into effect. know we believe in the Trinity because the Bible teaches the Trinity can we prove the Trinity no because anything we try to do to prove it doesn't make sense we look at this and if you're you're looking at the Bible and the first uh, two chapters talk about God creating the heavens and the earth in six days we look at and say God you're true and then you start studying real science and you find out that the Bible is true the false science they try to teach us does not does not match the Bible but it is also false it doesn't hold up to logic it doesn't hold up to mathematics and it doesn't hold up to scientific proof because it's not science it's philosophy and so we look at these things the the Bible teaches us things and we're going to say do you believe it do we believe that Jesus Christ is the virgin-born son of Mary who lived a perfect life died on the cross and rose again the third day so that we could have eternal life yes if we're going to base it in the Word of God out of all of those statements, the only one that I can't prove, you know, with evidence is that he was virgin born. I have to take Mary's word for that. There's no proof on that one way or the other. The fact that he died is told to us through all of history, it tells us that he died, the Romans have records of it, the historians have records of it. The fact that he rose again from the dead, that, that he was dead is, is very crystal clear from the scriptures and other places, and the fact that he rose again is very provable through history and not just the Bible, okay? So out of those statements, the only one we have to grab by absolute faith is he was virgin born because the Bible said he was going to be and that's what, it, that's what Mary said, and that's what Joseph was sa- said his whole life. And that's the one thing we can't go and say, okay, all we have is their, their statement on it. The Bible is true, I'm gonna believe it. And that one becomes a faith statement only. But you know, when we look at this, our life is built on facts followed by faith and our feelings fall behind. And when you build your life on the facts of God's being true, the feelings generally follow along. He says, you will have peace that passes understanding. You will have the joy of your salvation. David calls it in, in Psalm 51. He says, I've repented, returned to me the joy of my salvation. I've lived a very joyous life most of the time. And I have a very peaceful life most of the time because I grab the facts that God's in control. I love that God is in control. It makes my life real simple. When everything seems to be out of control, you know, and I could, be, I could be like many of the faith people who put faith first. Well, God must have lost his marbles and gone to sleep because everything is out of control. I go, no, God is still in control. He has something good in store for me because of this, and it is going to be for good. So what happens when we put faith uh, feelings first? just want to look at a couple of stories on this as we go along. Uh, I was going to turn them, but I'm just going to quote them for you. In Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 through 6, we have a very famous story that everybody knows. We have Eve standing in the garden by the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and lo and behold, Satan shows up. Now what was Eve doing in front of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil in the first place? I don't know. Probably looking at it and wondering why they couldn't eat of that fruit. Because that's what we would be doing, isn't it? Why can't I do this? It looks really good. It looks delicious. What would be the problem with eating this fruit? Otherwise, you would have no reason to be standing there by that particular tree. She could eat of every other tree in the place. She was supposed to be out working the garden with with, uh, Adam. And she gets to talk to Satan. And Satan says, you know, did God really say? Did he give you a fact? Did he give you a truth to live by? And then she gives back the answer. God's allowed us to eat of every tree except for this one. And then she adds a little thing, bit to it. We're not allowed to touch it. Now A lot of people think she added it. I think Adam added it because he was the one that was told not to touch the tree. And I believe he goes, I don't want her to even touch it. So I'll just tell her that God said, don't touch it. That's my personal belief. It's <laughs> you can take it. I put the blame back on Adam because that's the Jews' problem even to this day. They have God's laws and then they put a great big fence around it and they'll tell you there's a big fence around it so you don't, if you break their rule, you don't break God's rule in the process. And churches do this as, as well. Sometimes they'll tell you this is what God says, so don't do and they'll expand upon it. So she's there and her feelings say, I would really like to be like God. And what does she do? She eats that fruit. We go further into Genesis 25 and we see Esau and, and um, his brother Jacob. And there, Jacob was uh, not an outdoorsman. He's at home. He's making some stew and pork, some kind of stew. Esau comes in after a hard day out in the field. He hasn't caught anything. He hasn't caught anything. And he comes back and says, I'm starving to death. Give me some food. And Jacob says, no, nope, I'll sell it to you. And Esau in his emotions that he's dying. He's starving to death after only 20, you know, eight hours, 12 hours out on the field, sells his birthright. Now the birthright, we talk about this, you may not understand what the birthright was, but the birthright was given to the eldest son, and it was that he was going to be in charge of the family after the father died. He got a double portion of inheritance and that double portion was to support the rest of the family. If, they got, if a younger brother got into trouble financially or something, he was to go and bail them out, you know, make them pay back and teach them a lesson that they were supposed to behave better and not destroy the family name. Esau in his emotion said, I'm starving to death. I, what good is this? What good is this? And his emotion said, I don't care about this great birthright that I have. So we look at Lot. Lot and, and Abraham are wandering all over the place. They've got so many fields and they're starting to fight. And Lot says, you know, Lot, uh, Abraham tells Lot, you know, tell you what, we're having problems. You pick where you want to go and I'll go the opposite direction. Now, that in and of itself is a very strange statement because Lot was the senior person. He was the patriarch of that family. He could have said, Lot, I'm going this way, you're going that way. We're separating, but he gave Lot the option of which what, what, what way he wanted to go. Lot looked around, said, that looks like a beautiful valley over there. There's plenty of food for the animals. Lots of sin, lots of people, but I want that one. And he chose Sodom and Gomorrah, which was then destroyed. But he did it in his emotions. We look at David, you know, when he gets ready to sin with Bathsheba, that chapter starts out with, in the springtime when the kings go out to war, David was on his roof in Jerusalem. Dave was in the wrong place at the wrong time, living in his emotions. He did not feel like going to war with the Army, so he stayed home. He saw a beautiful woman taking a bath, and then he decided to go bring her to his, to his uh, room and ended up in adultery. She gets pregnant, and then he murders her husband. You know, what a wonderful thing, all because he didn't feel like going to war with the Army when they were supposed to go to, to war, plus feelings all along after that. You know, lust, lust feelings toward her, and then how am I gonna get out of this? And he says, well, I'll solve it just by killing her husband. And then I'll take her as my wife. Feelings, now do feelings always lead us to bad things? No, they're they're not always going to be bad. But don't live your life based on feelings. Feelings will get you in trouble more often than not. We look at Thomas in the New Testament in John 20. For some reason, Thomas wasn't there the first night that Jesus shows up to the, to the, ten, uh, to the other 10 apostles. Why? Maybe he just didn't feel like coming. I'm gonna, because that's a, that, you know, I'm gonna speculate on that one because this is my message tonight, don't live by feeling, or today, don't live by feeling, so I'm gonna say he just didn't feel like going to that Bible study. Maybe he had work, you know, there may have been another reason, but just give me the leeway to say that today. <laughs> he didn't feel like being there and Jesus showed up. So what was his statement to the, to the other apostles? You know, and I've made fun of this. I'm going to paraphrase this one. He's going, I don't know what you guys were smoking last night at your Bible study, but Jesus is dead. I saw him die. I'm not going to believe it until I see him. Okay. And he goes, and that's really what he said. I, I don't, I, he died. I watched him die. Until I can put my finger in his hand or my hand, hand in, his, in, his, in his chest, I will not believe that he's resurrected. And I just grabbed the rest of it because really that would be in our day in terms what he was saying, you know, uh, what were you guys doing last night? In thought you were a Bible study. What were you smoking or drinking last night that you were having this big hallucination? And then Jesus appears to him. Emotions can get us into trouble so often if we're making our decisions not based on the truth of God. So my encouragement for us today is, let's look at where we're going to go with God in our discipleship, in our walk with God, let's make our walk in truth. Not in our emotions, not in our, you know, in our feelings and say, I'm, I don't feel good, so I'm not going to do, or I'm, I'm not feeling good, so I'm going to do something. You know, that leads to people going to the bar. I just don't feel good today. I've got to go you know, numb my feelings. You know, and that leads to all the consequences of all that other parts that go along with it. How many times have we, even as this group, gotten in trouble because we have done stuff based upon feeling? And it may be something simple. I'm just not going to church because I just don't feel like going today. Well, God says forsake not the assembling of yourselves together and so much more as you see the day approaching. God says we need each other in the church. Why do we need each other? Can you worship God without coming to church? Absolutely, you can worship God outside without, without coming to church. Will you grow and be a strong Christian outside of participating in the body of Christ? I do not think so. We need each other to build up. We need each other to edify and and lift up. And if nothing else, the body needs you to lift them up. And we need to be taught. Yes, you can worship God outside the church. Yes, you can even grow. You know. The idea that I have on that is, if you've ever, for me, I'm gonna use mechanical things. I'm not mechanical, I understand the principles of it. But if I wanna learn how to do something, I can learn how to do it by reading a book. In today's world, I can go online and I can look up a YouTube video and see it done. But you know, it's a whole lot easier to do the mechanical work when you've got somebody there who's done it a few times and says, here's the things that may go wrong as the spring goes shooting over your shoulder and into the dirt somewhere behind you. And they go, well, I could have told you, you know, somebody could have could have told you that that spring was going to pop out. Now you got to go buy a spring or go search for a long time finding a spring. You can learn the hard way. It's a whole lot easier to go and be taught, be 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 lifted up by other Christians and say, "I'm going to hold you up." When you fall down, there's somebody there saying, "Let me lift you up." You know, if you're trying to follow God and you go to, a, go to a body of Christ and you're missing for two or three weeks, somebody is going to call, probably going to call you besides just the pastor. And I've shared with you, it's great when I call, and I'm going to call. If you're gone for a couple of weeks, I'll probably call you, drop you a line saying we've missed you. But when I do it, people look at it and say, well, that's just the pastor that he's paid, he's paid to do that. Uh, now, most pastors have the heart to want to do it anyway, but I know that I understand it's discounted if the pastor does it but I'm going to still do it. (laughs) But you know, when somebody else from the body does it and says, you know, Hey, I've missed you. That means a lot more. And you all know that it's like to get a birthday card from somebody else other than, other than me. You know what it's like to have a call saying, Hey, I've missed you for, you haven't been around for a couple days. I miss you. It's important for us to lift each other up, to build one another up. And this is what God's calling us. The truth. We live by truth. Even if I don't feel like it's the truth, if God has said it, it's true. And and I've shared with you, I learned the hard way not to tell people that God works all things together for good when they're in in a bad place because they just about tore my head off because they didn't believe it in the first place. All right, to me it's great comfort. I know that I believe that all things work together for good so that when I go through something bad, I'm telling myself that and if somebody else reminds me somehow I forgot and they remind me, I'm going, oh, yeah, <laughs> you're, you're absolutely right. I may not want to hear it at that moment, but it, I know that it's true. We need to study God's word. We need to learn his word. We need to learn his truth. This truth will set us free because we will be able to say, God, you are true. People go, well, I don't know if I'm a Christian. Well, the Bible says that if you've admitted that you're a sinner, you have admitted that you deserve punishment and you admit that you need Jesus and ask him to come in, you are saved. Truth. <laughs> no matter what feelings you have, because the devil will come along and give you all kinds of feelings that say you're not saved. You're not good enough. You're not, you're not living a righteous enough life. You don't do whatever enough. But the truth is, if he has come into you and you are in a relationship with him, you are saved. Plain and simple. Now, he should be changing your life, you should have conviction of when you're sinning and all of these other things and you should be becoming more righteous. Now that would be the only time you'd have to be looking at it and say, if I'm the same person uh, 10 years from now as I was when I think I got saved, I better look and think, did I get saved? Did I really turn and trust in God? I'm not that judge. God would be the judge and you would, you would know. If you have God in your heart, you know he's there. You may not have great feelings all the time, but you know, God, I have put my trust in you. And this is what's important for us. How do we live a life that is godly? We live by the truth of God. No matter how I feel, no matter how others make me feel, no matter how, how it goes, I live in the fact that God says, I have saved you, I have given you eternal life, and you are my child. If you can sin without conviction, you can sin without being, being disciplined by God, then you have to look and say, am I his child? That's a different story altogether. But you know, one of the things that's happened for me over my years is I know that I know that I know that I'm in a relationship with God and do I always feel like I'm in a relationship with God? Not always. But I can look back and say, God, you changed me. When I got saved, God changed me drastically, even at 10 years old. He'd made great changes in my life. And I know that he came in. I have never had times of doubting it because, or that seriously stick. <laughs> Satan throws those out. at me and I'm going, no, nope, I'm saved. I know that I'm saved because God said I am saved. Very important. How do we get through these things? God, I know that you said this is a sin, so I will not do it, even though I think I would enjoy doing it. I'm not going to do it because you say it's sin and live in that. God tells us to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. That does not mean our eternal destination. It means our day-to-day sanctification with him. And God will teach us what we're supposed to do and what we're not supposed to do. And I've told people, well, I cannot do something like, you know, they'll go, well, you can do this. It's not a problem. They go, no, God has told me it's a sin. I can't do it. You know, I can't stretch the truth to try to make a sale because that's lying to me. I can't omit some important information because that to me is a lie because that's what I feel the Bible tells us. Now, some people can and not have a problem with it. Now, there are things in the Bible that we know are sin. God says, you shall not. (laughs) You shall not steal. You shall not commit murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not covet. You know, a number of things that we shall not do, and that's just a small portion of them. There's a lot of things that are in that gray area that people go, well, I believe this because God said this. And usually they'll pick something like smoking. You can't smoke because God says we're the temple of God, and you can't pollute the temple of God. Well, if God has convicted you of that, then great, do it. But that doesn't necessarily what that verse means in any way, shape, or form. It means that God's living in me and I shouldn't defile my body, yes, but there's a lot more that can defile my body than something just like that. And a lot of times that verse will make you make changes in your life. But, you know, we want to look at it. Are we putting facts or truth first in all of our decisions with God? Not based on faith, not based on feelings. Those are good, but they follow truth. And faith follows truth, and then feelings follow truth and faith. I believe what God says. I build my faith because I believe what it is, and then the faith follows behind what I already know to be true. And so when we're in a bad situation, when we truly believe that all things work together for good, I've got my faith in there that it is a true statement, and I go through something really hard, I may not be joyous because of it, but I'm also not going to be devastated by it because I okay, don't know how it's going to work out, but you've promised it's going to be for good. And I'm going to stand on your truth with faith and let my feelings come along and, and, and follow me sometime afterwards. Don't make your life based in feelings because we look in the scriptures and bad decisions are always based in feelings, always. Every time you choose to sin, it's going to be based in living by feelings. I want to feel good so I'm going to do this. That was Eve. You know, we want to be like God. We want to feel like God. So she made her bad decision. Esau, I'm starving to death. I've got, you know, what good is a you know, God's gift if I, if I die? And again, you know, Esau is more than a teenager but he sounds like so many teenagers. I'm starving to death. I ate breakfast eight hours ago and I'm going to die if I don't eat right this moment. <laughs> that was the attitude he had. So we look at this, how many times do we make our decisions based on feelings? Learn God's word. Make your decisions based upon his word. Will it mean that you're going to live a perfect life? I wish. (laughs) I, I wish that that was true. Will it lead to a better life than you were living? Absolutely. Will it lead to better decisions overall? Absolutely. But there's still times when you're gonna take and put faith, uh, fact at the back, of the back of the train and say, I'm gonna live on feelings, even as a Christian. You know, when we're re- getting ready to sin, that's usually what we've done. We've moved feelings to the front of the train and put facts down, back to back of the train. Facts, you just stay there. You don't, you're, you're in the way at the moment. You, you just get out of the way and I'm going to do what I feel like doing. So our encouragement today is, let's learn to put God's word first Learn his word, you know, we talk so much here about reading the Bible every day, getting to the Bible studies, listening to good teachers on the radio. Why? Because God's word to me is what's most important. It is what's kept me. It's what's ke- you know, led me down the right path. And hopefully you're on the same, same place because you're, otherwise you might even make good decisions if you're making fe- feeling-based decisions, but they're rare. I don't think there was any, I can't think of any Bible-based decision that was based on feelings that led to good. You know, you know, we think about Elijah on Mount Carmel. If you know the story of Elijah on Mount Carmel, he challenges the 450 prophets of Baal to a, to a, to a contest, and he's making fun of them. You know, I love that, you know, louder. Maybe, maybe he's asleep, he may, maybe he went to the restroom, maybe he went on vacation, and if you're living on feelings, sometimes we think that way even about God. God, did you uh, kind of walk out of the throne room for a while and let all these things happen to us? God drains fire down on, his, on, on Elijah's offering. He has the 450 prophets of Baal killed and Jezebel says she's going to come and get him and he runs away. He f- had a great strong faith and word-based system and then all of a sudden he got afraid. We can do that as Christians all the time. We're walking along in faith. We're doing a great job. And all of a sudden, our feelings get in the way and we get scared or, you know, we, we go, How? I can't do this. And we fall. Elijah runs some 400 miles away, gets, meets God. And God says, what are you doing here? You're supposed to be back there. Sends him back you know, where he came from. And God will do that to us as Christians. We get scared. We stop doing what he's told us to do. We run away. And God says, what are you doing over here? Go back to where I told you to be. And we go back there with our tail tucked between our legs, and go, "Okay, here I am." And that kind of trip is never fun to go back to. It is never fun. It's a it's a drag to go back to where God is telling you to go back to. And you because you, you feel like a loser at that time. And that's why we can't go base. We can't go on feelings. God told us to do something. We do it. Leave the feelings behind and say, "Do what God says to do." Let's close here. Just. Uh, as, Lord, we thank you for this. Lord, we ask you to help us to live by truth. Help us to make that decision to live by truth, Lord. If there's anybody who doesn't know you in the first place, Lord, that we ask that they will admit they're a sinner and ask you to come into their life and cleanse their life and that they can start living by truth. And we just thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.